mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. And tonight, Mike, we are going to remember crap about America's team. By that big course, star, I mean the uh, San Diego Chargers. Wait, no, they're not a thing anymore. The Dallas Cowboys. True. I, I before uh, before we record, I was just thinking, like, what, what, you know, what can we like? How do you summarize it? They have like this Yankees vibe without having the absolute historic success of the Yankees. I guess that's not, that's my take. That's my elevator pitch. They are through thick and thin. Let's just say that, and I thought of this too. If you were born um, after 1998, a 20, almost a quarter century ago, you would act based on the fact that the Bears have just nearly been in a Super Bowl. You would rank the Bears. They would be one of the teams that would be less laughable than the Cowboys. Yeah. However, Cowboys have a you know couple of different epochs before then and they just sort of have always had that brand that seems to have been there since the beginning frankly that uh attracts them people like even in chicago that grew up 20 years like a you know different uh you know ethnic backgrounds races uh, cowboy you find cowboys fans everywhere it's kind of bizarre i don't know it, i don't know what to chalk it up to and it doesn't matter you could grow up in a big city or a suburb or a little a little farm town like me and there was always Every one of us had one douchebag friend who, for no reason, was a Cowboys fan. And now there are just more of them. Yeah, and Jeez. now they're Cowboys. And they haven't won Yankees, anything. Lakers, Duke basketball Yeah, fans. yeah, it's, that's right. Even though the Patriots and, frankly, the Steelers... And frankly, the I mean, if you go if you go back twenty five years, that's a quarter century. Like the Ravens are a better franchise. None of that matters. I mean, I've, I've talked about this before. Like, I never got to pick the teams I rooted for. That was not a thing. I same. I inherited it all. I was a I was a Cub fan because my dad was a Cub fan. I was a Bear fan because my dad was a Bears fan. I was a Bulls mm-hmm. fan. Dad wasn't much of an NBA fan, but they were. Yeah, the Bulls. Chicago was the team that you were going to root for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Notre Dame. Yeah, the only time I ever got to pick a team was when I decided. Yeah, kind of like this English Premier League football. I get to pick any team that I want. Who'd and you I pick? chose poorly. I chose Arsenal. Mm. I chose them right at, right after their run of uh, dominance ended. They haven't won the Premier League. I've been a fan of theirs for 17 years now. Serves you right for sort of starting off as a front runner. Oh, but I picked them for the worst reason. So uh, the writer Nick Hornby had written a book called oh. Fever Pitch. 
big fan. And I yeah, read absolutely. that long I've before I decided you. I was going to. I remember reading it and thinking, God, I wish somebody would write a book like this about the Cubs. And then, of course, the Fairley brothers bought the rights and made a movie about about the Red Sox, which was terrible. It was awful. Jimmy fucking Fallon was in it. I didn't even know that was Fairley Brothers. I, I, I have not read. I, I've read a few Nick Hornby books. I've not read yeah. that, nor have I ever seen *Fever Pitch*. They're both iconic in their own right, I guess. Right. And apparently, for the film, all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so Hornby was a huge Arsenal fan, and um, you know, so I learned stuff about the you know, him growing up and all this stuff. And there's a there is actually a really good. The original *Fever Pitch* is a really good movie. Colin Firth plays basically. There's an original film, yes. Fever Pitch, yes. with Colin Firth. Yes, with okay. Arsenal as the team, not. So and it's, it's good. More, more faithful to the Hornby novel. Yes, um, and then unlike, the American, unlike, the, Fairley, uh, the Fairleys Americanize it, and of course, famously, the worst possible timing for them ever, because it's really supposed to be the uh, Fairley writes it kind of as a long-suffering Arsenal fan. They got good after they got. They have a proud history, but they had kind of some fallow years when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he wrote mm-hmm. about that, and then they that's got, what he grew up with. They got good again after that. Well, the Farrellys get the rights to the American rights to the book, and they're like, "Fine." So they're going to make this movie about being long-suffering Red Sox fans, and they make it the year the Red Sox win the World Series. <sighs> and uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore run around on the field. I hate Jimmy Fallon too. Because I, they I, were filming, and the Red Sox won the. Uh, they won the pennant, they won the pennant while they were there, and then I think they went. I think they went to St. Louis. I think they're actually maybe even on the field there. That's awful, but anyway. Yeah, um, and it's nice that they beat the Cardinals that year. But but the, the weird point I want to make though is that even though I I chose you know I could have picked I could have been a complete douchebag and be like I'm gonna be, I like Man, I like Manchester United, right? Um, of course now they're bad, but I'm actually kind of glad I picked the way I did. Because it fits, this is more me. You know, Arsenal kind of being teasing right. you and like pulling the rug out from under you, and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay. I, what I guess what it says to me is that had I not been assigned my teams, mm-hmm. I would have probably ended up with them all anyway. Yeah, it's destiny. Left to my own devices, I would have somehow wandered into. Oh, I think I'll just be a Cubs fan. Why not? Yeah. I think there's some truth to that. Your two favorite, uh, it just and it also has so you know each of your favorite sports in the sphere of baseball and football, and <laughs> I just think, you know, because you're like, well, you're Chicago fans. The Bulls make up for a lot, but there's a calculus to how important all the sports are. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, nobody's guaranteed a fucking dynasty, so. At least we've won one in every sport. Um, but the Cowboys, they've had a couple. Really, really, the one that we lived through in the 90s was bigger than the early one. They kind of stepped on their toes a lot, but they were still pretty dominant. But, yeah, somehow that brand just has really gotten stronger, even though they've probably endured their worst quarter century. In their- and it's ironic that their brand is so strong when when they're, the basic elements of branding they're so bad at. How many different shades of blue do the fucking Cowboys have? Like, on the home uniform, the na- the blue on the star doesn't match the color of the blue on the numbers. I didn't even know and that. And the color right? of the blue on the numbers doesn't match the blue stripe on the pants. Is that a... Is that, How many PMS is that colors are we burning through here, guys, on one uniform? Has that always been the case? Has there been some sort of a consistent historic flaw in their layout? 
Is that what you're saying? Probably not all, but like the, the Cowboys we grew up with, the the Danny White, Tony Dorsett Cowboys, like when we were kids. Yeah, the, the numbers on the jerseys were royal, but the star is navy. Mm. And then the pants are gray, but they're really, I mean, they're gray. I think they kind of started off as a, really, as a light blue, and now they're they're a gray. Yep. Which is fine. But okay. the road uniform, the road uniforms, which they hated to wear. Remember, that was like a curse. They couldn't win in the blue. The Redskins, Redskins started wearing white at home just right. to make them wear the blue jersey, which is great. And if they happen to play in Miami in September, they yeah. might be compelled to wear the blue. Um, but you never saw them in the blue. The road jerseys always were the right color. It's it's really, it's the numbers. And, and like when we were kids, the numbers on the home uniform were bigger than the road? Yeah. Like those, I never, like, like the Tony Dorsett 33, like filled the whole thing. And the, and the blue on white. Emmett, not the even white Emmett Smith 22. There's something, it's, it's, it's the same font, but it doesn't have like, it doesn't, it didn't have I, any like trim on it or anything. It was, I never it was knew weird. that. It always used you to bother me. It bothered me as much as like the Lakers. Are you purple and gold or are you navy blue and gold? Because when I was a kid, I could have sworn they were purple, but I yes. think I yes. think they just washed the blue uniforms so much that they looked purple, or they just couldn't decide on a color. No, they're, they're purple. The, the whole thing was a sort of a regal royal. It was like it was like yeah, uh, they're supposed to be royal blue and yeah, and gold. Royal blue. I, when I we were kids, those royal uniforms were purple. I thought so. Yeah. yeah. Look at some basketball cards. Look at some images. I think yeah, maybe I think just I, Jack can't cook was too cheap to keep buying new uniforms. So they, they're starting to look purple. I don't care. All right, good. Could but then, be. like, didn't yeah. the LA Kings, weren't they purple and gold because Again, the Lakers Royal were purple Blue. and gold and they were in the forum? And I don't know. Could be. The, uh, the Kings were an NHL expansion franchise. That's entirely possible. Well, their original color scheme was to match the Lakers. To match the basically uh-huh. the core in the building, basically, and then they rebranded with the, you know, purple and the black. And well, the so star so gang members met- could wear their stuff and they could sell more. Well, right, as they, yeah, I'm sure as they foretold. You mentioned the star. That's really the sort of that's the icon, right? That's like where Terrell Owens, uh, after scoring a touchdown and no 19 or 2002, yeah. ran from the end zone all the way to the 50 yard line and slammed it on the star. Had to go tackle him. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys definitely a land of contrast. No, they definitely. Uh, I think uh, they they compel a reaction out of more people. It seems than a lot of other NFL teams. So, and uh, and they're an ex- they're like the first expansion team ever. You know, nineteen sixty. I don't. The NFL is, you know, these North American sports leagues. You know, and it was really just. Baseball and football, none of them expanded like in the 30s and the 40s and 50s. You know, uh, they were suppressing certain segments of the population, but baseball eventually allowed cities to move. Um, I'm not so sure. Football, though, just only grew because these other weird, like barely breathing rival leagues would sort of come and go, like the AFC we talked about last week, which brought over the Browns and 49ers and Colts in 1950. Um, They, uh, you know, they, the NFL was always sort of at heart these Rust Belt 
company teams that somehow managed to survive, but they were largely extant from about you know, the mid to late 20s. They they contracted some teams, but they largely forged ahead and just would purge teams from like these other weird random leagues. Yeah, like the- like the uh, Browns coming over from the All American Football. The AAFC, and- yeah, the Browns. Like I said, the Browns, Colts, and 49ers all came over. Um, I there, there might have been one or two more, but they didn't really grow. And then I think you're the one that pointed this out last year when we were remembering some historical crap that you know the AFL was the most legitimate. AFC was nothing compared to the AFL. AFL was coming out of the scene. Lamar Hunt was planning on putting a team in Dallas. Uh, and the NFL was a little late to the game, was finally slowly uh, planning on bringing two new teams in for the first time ever, Minnesota and Dallas, that they were going to bring in in 1961. And they pushed up the schedule for by a year to bring the Cowboys in in 1960. Now, didn't the they Chiefs, were the only experience. Didn't they actually play a year in Dallas? Weren't they the Texans? I think that's it. And then they moved to Kansas right. City. Lamar. Yes, they made bit, some sort of agreement. For the the first, at least the first three Bulls championships, mm-hmm. Lamar Hunt owned a bigger percentage of the Bulls than Jerry Reinsdorf. A fact that we've mentioned before, but yeah, that's absolutely true. He Lamar should, Hunt, founder of the chairman. AFL, right? Whose name is on the AFL uh, uh, champion for the conference game? Where uh, opposite George Halas for the NFC. But and then they went winless, and they were like most expansion teams, like you know the Mets were. Sharing the shitty baseball. That's how it was back then. And their quarterback was this tiny Eddie LeBaron, who actually was uh, diminutive, but put up some pretty good numbers. He, he might rank ahead of, you know, Jay Cutler's all time Bears passing mark if he combined his years with the 49ers. Uh, but he was he was kind of a beloved fan favorite. But really, their first their first matinee idol quarterback was Don Meredith, and they kind of brought Meredith along uh, after a couple of years of Eddie LeBaron. Within a short order, the Cowboys, with their first coach, Tom Landry, became a, a legit NFL team, and it was in five or six years. And uh, I, interestingly enough, the Vikings uh, would follow a couple years behind them. But uh, before you knew it, uh, you know, the Bears the Bears took advantage those first couple times they played. I, I have up there all time. I know it's not good for the Bears. Uh, but in short order, than I thought it was. the Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys. If you're looking, the Bears whooped them in 60 and 62, and then I hope they enjoyed it because between uh, 60, they didn't meet every year, but uh, really for the next 15, 20 years, the Bears, the the, the proud historic Bears franchise would uh, regularly be put in their place by Tom Landry. The Bears lost every game they played with the Cowboys from 1973 until 1984. They didn't win. They didn't beat the Cowboys. 85, yes. Well, I mean, they lost that 84 game. They didn't beat the right. Cowboys until the 44, the infamous Correct. 44 to nothing which will, drubbing. Which we will get to. Let's build it up, though. I mean, go back there. It's, it is kind of funny. It's kind of a crossroads. We're up in, in 1960. Of course, now the Bears, you know, even then, by Hallis' standards, are, are relatively uh, starved for a lot of, of their golden era. They've gone, you know, in 1960, they've won one title in 15 years. They're, they're still competitive every year though, but uh, in short order after 63, you know, they did win a title in 63, of course, but uh, it would then just turn to dust for 20 years. And at that point, the Cowboys just became, uh, just became the team. And, the Bears were irrelevant, right? When the Cowboys were ascending, and then that—I don't think there would be any memorable games. They're all before our time. But I'm just going to have to bring up when the Bears finally resurrected the ashes. Of the, you know, they went the longest period of their history without uh, achieving 
you know, any postseason uh, success or, you know, or whatnot. Even before the 1933 championship game, the Bears were always first, second, or third. But between 63 and 77, it's the longest drought in history. The Bears returned to the playoffs. And, of course, by that point, Tom Landry and, uh, and Roger Staubach and the 18-year-old Dallas Cowboys, they've been in three Super Bowls. They've only won one, and they would go on to win one here. Uh, absolutely uh, curb stomped the Proud Bears franchise who are returning to the playoffs after an incredibly long 14 years. And that game, by the way, kids, if you want to watch it, and I did last year, it's before my time too, 77 season. It was, you know, the Bob Avellini, Walter Payton, Dennis Lick, uh, you know, Chicago Bears. The entire game is on YouTube in pretty decent resolution with your Pat Summerall and Tom Brokeshire. It was, it was closer than the score indicated, though. I mean, it it was 37 to 7 but it really is more like it's more like the a, Cowboys more like a 28 point loss than a 30 the Cowboys point. fumbled uh, they turned the ball over a couple times in the first two a couple first few possessions but the bears were just fucking starstruck and you know and at that point star stallback was in his prime you know Meredith and Long retired there was a period of time where they also had some older fans might recall Craig Morton who ironically would be the opposing quarterback against the uh, Cowboys in uh, what would be Super Bowl, I guess, 20 or uh, 16 or 17. Uh, But Morton was the initial successor to Meredith while Roger Staubach was on a ship around the world. Staubach was older than Morton, but when Staubach, the Heisman Trophy winner on the Navy in like 62, I think, comes back in 69 or 68, and Landry had this weird thing back then. And the Cowboys were good now. You know, they had already a few years after the Ice Bowl and they're getting the Super Bowls themselves and losing the Colts in Super Bowl five. But Landry in regular season games and in playoff games would would alternate Staubach and um and Craig Morton like in the same drive. It was just mm-hmm. ridiculous. They were shuttling they were shuttling plays in. Using the quarterbacks with the plays with quarterback, of like tight ends, right, which right. is another thing the Cowboys used to like made famous was shuttling yes. plays in with the Titans, which Ditka then did with the Bears. Well, one of the things Ditka uh, Ditka did with the Bears was, uh, and I'm, I'm going to stand up. Nobody can see this, but the offensive line oh. would always do this sort of uh, exaggerated when they would go from red uh, from ready to set and go from their hands on their knees yeah, and then like do this exaggerated stand up with their right. back straight and then go. This is why we need a video hands. podcast, guys. He only I can see him. And he actually just stood up on the camera and did right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here's, what's, here's what's annoying. Under the great Mike McCarthy, their current coach, when the Cowboys get into the victory formation, the linemen do that before they get okay. into their – that's like their little homage to Landry is when they're just going to take a knee. All right. They that's do that. nice. And it, if I was on the team, I, as, soon as, as soon as one of those fuckers started to lurch up to do it, I'd just hit him. Like, fuck it, Push the game's already over. What's the penalty going to hurt us? But, you know, you, you bring up a good point. When Ditka came over in 82, we were all kind of excited. You know, even as much as we – most of us probably despised Dallas because they were so successful and good-looking and just they had that that sort of je ne sais quoi. They had that brand. Uh, I remember the Bears kind of like – you know, we were, we were kids too, so we're maybe caught up in the trappings of things like, you know, superfluous things like how the linemen would stand up and go into a three-point stance. Um, but well, yeah, I, I that think was... more than a little of it is that some of the bandwagon fans were the are were, and now it's not as the uniforms were a lot different than anybody else. 
you know, the silver helmets with the big star on it and the, you know, and the flashy, like the, the silver pants. And um, if you're some dopey kid and you're sitting there and they were on, they were the freaking afternoon game every week. They were, you saw, you watched, when we were kids, you saw, the Bears played at noon and the chances mm-hmm. are you saw the Cowboys in the afternoon. Yeah. The, yeah. Or they were in the late game. Yeah. And they, they were, were always, time. but they were always up until, like the well, until Landry bottomed out in the late '80s. They were always generally pretty competitive, even if it was like post Super Bowl Ditka era Bears. Like you know, not really anybody was afraid of them. Still winning eight, nine, ten games a year. And you're right too. It's like embedded in their DNA because you're right. Those uniforms were rolled out, and there was something about them when they came in, and all the way down to their like glamour boy quarterback. Like Meredith was like the first. He was kind of a bad boy, but he was he was and kind of like that guy out of SMU. He was a cowboy. I came from SMU. Basically. Yeah, played in the same and then, stadium. And then Staubach kind of veered it almost more to a wholesome level, but he was still kind of a badass. And then like they all, you know, it's just a. Uh, it's just one of those, just again, one of those things. And the, the success obviously helped bolster that in the seventies, you know, even, even when they lose some of those Super Bowls. I mean, I don't know if this is why, but they were on CBS so much, you know, Pat Summerall lived in Dallas. He probably like, was just like, fuck it. I'm here all the time. I might as well, you know, I, he honestly, probably he had found so many places to drink in Dallas. He's like, I'm just mm-hmm. going to move here. This yeah. is great. Probably some truth to yeah, that. For the longest time, he lived. He lived in Dallas, and he went to he when he would go to rehab, which he had to several times. It was right yes. there in Texas. He didn't always go to Ben Ford. No. Yeah, I mean that's that era. Here's a good joke for him. Pat Sarmol was in and out of Betty Ford more times than Gerald. Yep. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I can to this day I can remember my first like my first Bears Cowboys game. It was in '79, so it'd be the first game after the Bears got humiliated in the playoffs. And the Bears in '79, we've talked about it. It was like a great time to get hooked. Not that it would have mattered because I also got hooked on a Cubs team that would lose 98 games <laughs> in 1980, be the worst team in baseball in '81. Uh, oddly enough, even though baseball is my favorite sport, I think just the timing of like my age and you know I would turn uh, eight in January, but I was more into the entirety of the Bears '79 season than the Cubs, which I didn't really get into until the end, and then. When the Bears went to the playoffs, unexpectedly two years after they made it in '77, uh, I was ready. I was primed to roll into a you know that '98 loss Cubs season in '80. But the Bear that '79 Cubs season, I obviously have fond memories because it was a shocker. They went in the playoffs, um, but they won their first two or three games, and then they went undefeated into Dallas. And even though I was brand new to football, I was very aware of that. Dallas Cowboy brand because when I was younger, when I was five, six, seven, the Super Bowl would be playing in the background. Even if I wasn't interested in it, I knew like the Steelers and uh, and the Cowboys were playing, or the Cowboys and the Broncos were playing. I just wasn't into it, but I definitely knew about the Cowboys. I knew about Roger Staubach, and I was just so geeked about like the Bears taking them out. And it was a close game, if I remember correctly. Oh, yes. well, the, the 20 Bears, Bears took the lead in the fourth quarter. Mm. How about this stat line for Vince Evans? Vince was 5 for 16 for 155 yards and two touchdowns. 
He completed. Wow. He threw a. He ran for a touchdown. He I'm guessing 50, James Scott had a. Big he threw touchdown. a 52-yard touchdown to Golden Richards. Ooh, former Cowboy yes. Golden Richards. And he threw a 64-yard touchdown pass to James Scott. Called it. I knew James Scott had to be in there somewhere. Yep. Uh, I, I just, I just but pulled a, it up. So that hurts. They were actually winning that yeah, game. 20, a 22-yard pass from Roger Staubach to Tony Hill. And Rafael Septien made the extra point. I love bad kickers. He made the he uh, uh, put the finishing touches said. on the 24-20 Cowboy victory. Okay. Uh, I'm also having to check real quick whenever we cover a Bears game from this area to see if it was a rare Vince Fipsolini. And nope, just I see that only Vince. Yeah, no Mike Phipps, no Bob Avellini. Walter had a good uh, game. That was... That was a season in which Walter did have a good game. Yeah. 22 for 134 yards. yards. Yeah. yeah. He was in his prime, of course. God bless him. Uh, Phipps would be their quarterback in the playoffs. The Bears would make the playoffs thanks to the Cowboys. As much as I hated them and their pretty boy, wholesome quarterback, Roger Staubach, we brought this up last week. We talked about the Washington football team. Uh, who came the closest that they ever would under former Bears coach Jack Party of making the playoffs in 79. Uh, and the Bears needed a whole se- Rube Goldberg series of events to even have a chance, one of which was kicking the shit out of the Cardinals 42-6, but the other yeah, we about point that. differential we came in, right? And it came down to uh, the last game of the season. Really, I don't think Dallas had anything to play for. So thank you, Roger Staubach, for leading what would be one of your final fourth-quarter comebacks. Captain Comeback always had something to play for. And then helped the Bears. They didn't otherwise cross paths because the Bears are irrelevant. But this would be Roger Staubach's final season. He'd probably go out with a playoff loss, probably to the Rams or something. But um, one of his last gestures was allowing uh, seven-year-old Huey to watch his beloved – uh, mediocre 10-6 and six Bears team squeak into the playoffs before. All right, so in this 24-20 Cowboy win, we got to play the game of did Bob Thomas mix, miss an extra point? I'm going to have to say yes. Yes, he did. God damn it! And they yeah. lost by four. Yeah. Fuck you, Bob. Yeah. Wow, incredible. Boy, he was a terrible kicker. And he was a terrible kicker for a long time. Like, that doesn't even happen nowadays and extra points are what, 10 yards, 12 yards it's further It's more back. often than not. When we pull up a box score from him that he missed, remember, my favorite one ever right. is that the 61 to 70 if he missed yes. two. Should have been 63 to 60. just been nine <laughs> touchdowns clean. It's like, he was just tired. Yeah, I gotta kick another one? Oh, God. <laughs> that would be the next year. He's sitting over there, so. he's, he's got one of his law school books up, and they're like, Bob, you gotta kick another yes, point. Right. What? I'm gonna, I'm Can't gonna be go a for judge two? someday. It's not a rule. Right. Oh shit! You can <laughs> like, go for uh, one. Like, nah, we're, we're gonna kick it. So, because you know, you could so do that, that. You could run out. You could. They could have run a play. That, yes, for, for a one point, point only. Which yes. honestly, yep. they would have done with a better frequency than Bob which would sometimes happen. No, you're right. But there is YouTube video of Dick Butkus right catching a oh, one yeah. point conversion. Yep. And then, and then holding up the ball and having some pissed off legendary <laughs> eagle knock it out of his hand. Yeah. So, uh, the next time the Bears played the pack or the Cowboys, we talked about it when we did a Thanksgiving episode last year. It's one of only two oh, times man. in which the Bears and Cowboys have faced on Thanksgiving, and what is remarkable, honestly, and it blows me away that this is a fact. But we're talking about a franchise that has had a lot of these glorious, famous, uh, successful quarterbacks like Don Meredith and Craig Morton and Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. And yet, the two times the Bears played the Cowboys, their opposing quarterback would earn their only NFL victory ever 
And uh, they would be, of course, Drew Henson, because we talked about him last week, who was Tom Brady's, uh, you know, yoke, yoked quarterback at Michigan. And the other was some guy whose last name was Carano. Glenn Carano. Oh, yeah. Now, he's more famous now for the fact that his daughter, Gina, was an MMA fighter and got uh, lost her job on the uh, on the Disney The Mandalorian series where she played um, like a former so MMA or boxer and an actress yes she um, uh, went to went to Twitter which you know none of us are gonna be able to go on anymore and um, <laughs> made fun of trans people and lost her job at Disney is that right so she's okay gone. yes that's a claim to fame. Well, hopefully Drew Henson's daughter, um, yeah, hope not. you know, can maybe dodge some of this, that. Uh, uh, so Glenn Carano had quite a game in that Thanksgiving game. He was six for 15 for 131 yards. Very Vince Evans-ish. But he was outdone by the man himself, Vince Evans. Six for 18 for 60 yards. So in two starts against the Cowboys, 11 for 33 for Vince. No. And yet another frustrating Bears loss. And so now I'm nine years old. We're at a rare Thanksgiving. Cowboys are still like elite. And this shitty Bears team in Neil Armstrong's last season sort of gives them a fight. I want to say Alan Page blocked a kick and then got called for some bullshit penalty. You'll never find it in that box score. But again, so my hatred for the Cowboys is just growing because they just like they win and they're everything that you're not. And I'm clinging to the one barely playoff team. And then fast forward three years. Well, which, no, before before we get out of this though, now they, this was the the Bears didn't have Bob Thomas kick around in this game. Oh, it was the 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 the, the intermezzo yes. before Thomas came back. It was, it was John Rivetto. Yes, and um, Vince Evans. Did he missed an extra Vince point? Evans scored a touchdown to give the Bears a nine to three lead. John came out, kicked the extra point, missed it, and when Ron Spring scored and Raphael Sepian <laughs> made the extra point. The Cowboys. God, you gotta be kidding me! Should have gone overtime. Oh my god! So it's there not were high school time. teams in the '80s that didn't miss extra points with the frequency that the Bears did. I'm it's scared. Even then, yes, even it's then, it's a 19-yard kick. You're snapping the ball from the yeah from the through the three-yard line, right? For some Six of Bob's snap. career, it was a nine-yard kick. Uh, maybe, but even still, he's missing these ones, you know, nearly from three yards out. So I don't remember. I must have blocked that out at some point. I must have had a white hot rage for John Rivetto. And he also was, he missed, uh, he missed two field goals too. (sighs) Wow. Wow. I remember, I just remember the feeling of frustration because again, a Bears team that had no business even being in the game almost took down the mighty Dallas Cowboys. So when 84 rolls around, 84, magical season, if you're a Cubs fan, teaser, we'll do that in a few weeks maybe. Um, I went to this game in 84, and I was pumped. like, fuck this. The Bears are getting good now. They finished strong in 83. They jumped out to a 3-0 start here in 84. Also, the Cubs are going to go to the playoffs. It's a crazy time in Chicago. It was the last game of the regular season. where Because uh, I remember after the after we went to this game that the um, – uh, that I was trying to, we're trying to hear the end of the Cubs game, and all we could hear was that, like, you know, Vince Lloyd screaming about Jim Fry. They're walking over the field. And Cubs lost, but it was an interesting moment that Sunday. But on that day, the Bears still fucking lost to the Cowboys, and it just made me hate them even more, even though the Bears were good now. And so, they would actually go all the way to the conference title game, and the Cowboys wouldn't. So, a couple things. 
uh, before before my stat about the '84 game, I just looked this up. So John Rovetto <laughs> kicked uh, parts of two seasons for the Bears, 18 games. The only extra point he ever missed was that one against the Cowboys. See. But he was 14 for 31 all time. Wayne Walker was a better field goal kicker than John Rovetto. Wow. That's how John lost job. Okay, so this 84 game came up. The 84 Bears Cowboys game has, has been discussed recently because. Yep, in conjunction with the 2022 Bears. Because the Bears ran for 283 yards. That was the most yards they had run for until the Bears did it a few weeks ago. And it was like, and it was like, and they lost. It was the second time in the '84 season that they ran for over 270 yards. So this one they before lost. or after this? Okay, right? They won the other one. You said I think you mentioned this last week. Yeah, it was they did it again later, but they lost this game. Okay. Um, I, I wonder how much of this too, because Peyton was knocking on the on the door of history, and I believe it would have had to have been the next week, right? Because if the Cubs finished the regular season on this Sunday. Yeah. Playoffs into the next Sunday, so Peyton, I, part of it may have been. Did, I don't know. I don't well, want to. You know, he ran twenty five times. It's not like he didn't run forty times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, yeah, he yeah, ran yeah, for yeah. one hundred fifty five yards. So. They were just stuffing it down Danny White's. But, fucking oh, they had quite a passing attack that day. Not Danny White, Randy White. Sorry. Jim McMahon was six of fourteen for seventy nine yards. Rusty Lish got to play five mm. of five of eight for forty three. It was early, early in the season. They couldn't, yeah, McMahon couldn't stop got the hurt. great Gary Hogaboom. Who, um, uh, but, who his own coach, Landry used to call him Hogan Boom. He thought there was an N in his name. Yeah. Uh, Gary Hogan, Landry 18 for 29, it. 265 yards and a touchdown. I think 84 was the season in which um, it was a big, na- again, Cowboys national brand. Even at this point, they hadn't won a Super Bowl at this point in like seven years. But uh, it was a national story when Hogan Boom was named the opening day starter over Danny White in 84. And then he like threw like the the most completions in Cowboy history or something stupid, but it was all it didn't matter. Danny White sucked, Gary Hogan sucked. They were like just on fumes for a long while, and it ran. Didn't matter. The Bears still lost to him that day in '84, but uh, now Bob Thomas was back for this. Did he miss yes. an extra point? Uh, the score was the score twenty three twenty one or twenty three twenty twenty. What was it? Twenty three fourteen. Yeah, I guess he wouldn't have had. He had but he did. He did miss two field goals. Forty-one and forty-three yards. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was just weird. Like the, you couldn't beat the Cowboys even when you had a good team. When is it going to change, Andy? When is it going to change? Never. Of course, they're never going to do the, it. The Bears would go on, of course, to ex- start to reach heights that we had never seen. And then 85, we've talked about it. But when did 85 really turn a corner? Because we talked, let's put it in context here, right? Especially since we're talking about the Cowboys. Week one, 85, the Bears have a chip on their shoulder. Didn't did say, I want this team to put a chip on their shoulder. We've, we've, we've discussed ad nauseum how 84, they exceeded their ex- expectations, but it was still a disappointment because the 49ers were just better. And they said, bring your offense next year. And the opening day, the defense gives up four, 28 points in the first half. The Bears still have an offense, and so they pull away. They beat the Patriots in week two. Jim McMahon goes nuts in week three. And, but even in that game, the defense is just kind of lounging around until they get serious in the second half. They play the Redskins. They fall down 10 nothing. They come back. So they're winning games, but they're a little bit uneven. But they're winning them pretty handily. And then they reach a point, and it's kind of just building to this. Whenever it 
I don't know what the buildup is before the Dallas game. Um, but, man, you want to just see a fucking juggernaut that sort of when all the cycles are starting to sort of work in the, in the same motion, it's yeah, about it, the time it basically, that the Bears are going to try to It basically started when, when they went to San Francisco. They won that game 26-10 to because they had barely Which, beaten Tampa we, the week before. And we and for the second time, and we broke this game down, the, the Wayne Walker game. Then they go home to play the Packers on Monday night, 23-7. Mm-hmm. to 7. Packers are never... Packers have a seven nothing lead, and then the Bears. Sorry, all right, that's enough. Mm-hmm. Right. They beat the um, they beat the Vikings for the second time that season, twenty seven to nine. I was at I was they at that game. Sacked yeah. uh, Tommy Kramer eleven times, I believe. <laughs> uh, they had a close game in Green Bay. Fridge caught the uh, Fridge caught the game winner. <laughs> Teaser: We might break this game down uh, if we're up for it. In Sixteen to ten. Uh, but then they went and um, and. Actually, this wasn't the game. This, they played Detroit, but this was in Chicago. So this was not the one where Wilbur Marshall killed. Nope, that was the, the regular uh, season. This was a game in which both Joe Matt Ferguson. Suey and Walter. Right, that was the week sixteen. This was a game in which both Matt Suey and Walter Payton rushed for hundred yards. But twenty-four to three, the Bears won there. Mm-hmm. The Bears had basically stopped giving up points, and so they're ten right. and zero, and they are headed to Dallas to play an, an, a late afternoon game. Against the Cowboys team that they have not be- a franchise they have not beaten since what was it nineteen seventy one I believe fourteen Cowboys, years Bears are ten and zero the Cowboys are seven and three so it's not like yep. they're going in against a a bad Cowboys team nope Cowboys would go to the playoffs would win their division I believe and the Bears do not have Jim McMahon Steve Fuller is their quarterback Gary Hogaboom got the start for the Cowboys. We forgot that because we don't think of Gary Hogaboom when we think about one of the first plays that you're about to discuss. Uh, is this going to be the first quarter when uh, Richard Dent has a one-yard interception return for a touchdown? His second pick of the year, but it's first for a touchdown. But the Bears are only, they're only up 7 nothing in the first quarter. And then in the second, uh, Kevin Butler kicks a field goal. L.A. Mike Richardson has a 36-yard interception return for a touchdown, so the defense has scored 14 points before halftime. Uh, and then Steve Fuller uh, scores, and so the Bears are up 24 to nothing at the half. Right. Um, I don't remember good. the timeline, however. Hogaboom started. The Bears knocked him out of the game. Right? I thought Danny White was the one that threw the interception at Denver. Oh, you have to be right. Yeah, White. I guess Hogan was listed first here just because he threw more passes. That's right. Danny yeah. White started. And sacked the Bears, four times. The Bears sacked him. He broke his wrist. Didn't know it, but he knew he hurt his hand. <laughs> Yet another casualty. Hogaboom came so many... in. The Bears knocked Hogaboom out of the game. Danny White had to come back in and play the rest of the game with a broken wrist. It's just like Mark Wilson the year before coming in. Oh, my God. It's just torturous. It's barbaric. Uh, yeah, Hogaboom had three picks, no touchdowns. No, obviously nobody had touchdowns. White had one pick, so the Bears had four interceptions, six sacks. <laughs> Wait, how many total yards did Dallas have? It was just—I mean, all right. So I hope we set the stage because we've just gone over how, for both of us, we've never seen the Bears even literally, and literally, even if we could be conscious one-year-olds, it didn't happen since nineteen. It hadn't happened since nineteen seventy-one. Bears had never beaten the Cowboys. Now the Bears are good, but the Cowboys still come into Soldier Field and beat them in eighty-four. By the way. The 84 game is on YouTube, but I'm sure this one is too. And so now the Bears finally have a full head of steam, but they're still like that. 
almost that block. Oh, the Cowboys. Can we get past that? And then you realize how ridiculous it was by the end of this game. It's like, yeah, fuck you. Like completely in the rearview mirror by the end of the game. Yeah, Dallas only ran for uh, 52 yards. Um, they're, they, they're net passing because of all the sacks. It was 119. They threw for 100 for... Um, Net pa- yeah, net passing was only 119 yards because they got sacked uh, not as bad as some other teams six times for 48 yards. No, some teams would do twice as much. Bears would do twice as much. Against. Bears ran for 216 yards. Yeah, uh, up and down. Steve Fuller did not have a terribly good game. Nine of 24 for 164 yards. Walter was one for one for 33 yards, but not a touchdown. It's all right. Yeah, one of uh, the rare times but... when he very uh, very. It's... Wasn't, didn't Ladalian Tomlinson, the first eight passes he threw in the NFL were for touchdowns? We talked about I it. I think that's right. I think your memory might be correct there. This was also a you know a very you know, big day for the coach. And I'm sure he wasn't looking to rub it into Tom Landry. If, if anything, Landry was the one guy that maybe may have helped soften Ditka uh, and kind of give him a little bit of professional development, prepare him for this. Uh, but I think Ditka being a sociopath still had a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Well, I that think it was, was one some... of those things where he wanted he wanted to beat the Cowboys so bad that so it wasn't until like the end of the game when he actually like felt bad. You know, like <laughs> right. he's like he's like you know he's Ditka he's nuts on the sidelines, and then at the end he looks over and he sees Landry standing there, the guy that not had in hand because he never took the hat off. But he's, no. And it's like oh Jesus, he's be- no. he said something after the game about how he felt bad for the old man. Well, you know, Ditka can get wrapped up and he forgot to give Peyton a, a ball in the Super Bowl. You know, like he's, you know, you, get, you can't fault the guy for that. Um, yeah, I just um, inarticulate, it's just almost impossible to articulate uh, how rewarding it was that entire afternoon. And then I went to the game the next week and they, in the, it's not the 85 Bears, but the Bears would shut out the Falcons 36 nothing next week. And then it pretty much all the way, we, we don't have to go down that road, but yeah. uh, we did that. With, evident, well, we played the Falcons again. We did it one time. The David well, Archer stats in that. It's just evidence that, that starting with around this time that the Bears went on a fucking stretch for about three months that could be considered unparalleled. Uh, as far as the Bears and Cowboys are concerned, though, unless you have anything else to add about the 85 game. I mean, even Thomas Sanders like had like a forty-yard touchdown run late. I remember, but Pinky had um, a touchdown. I know that they played the next time in '88, and the very first thing I'll always think nope, of they played it's not hard to find. Oh, the next year, my bad. Bears beat him. Yeah, jumped ahead. Yeah, and like the bloom is really out. Landry's like kind of out of it now. Anyway, he'd be gone in two years, and the Bears are in their peak. So yeah, the next time they face. Uh, now it's okay. The Bears have finally beaten the Cowboys once. Now let's do it a few more times. And even 80, by '86, it was already Steve Pluer. Well, '88, right. the very it's not first the Steve Pluer was... game we remember, but in '86, Pluer was the starting quarterback. Well, I don't, ha- I don't have to provide kind of. You knew exactly what I'm talking Doug about. Doug Flutie uh, Steve... was the quarterback in the '86 game. Threw a, threw a 58 yard oh. touchdown pass to Neil Anderson and a 33 yard touchdown pass to Willie Galt. Don't even remember that. It was in Dallas. I can see it now, four days before Christmas. The Bears are probably already wrapped up. You know, they're probably fighting for home field because they're neck and neck with the Giants. They wouldn't get it. Um, so that so 
we're talking about the same thing with Steve Pulor in 1988. And this is easy to find on YouTube. Now the bears are still in their peak. The Cowboys are pretty much now laughing stock for the first time in our lifetime. And then one of the few periods. So Steve Pulor, who follows the great Danny White and Gary Hogaboom is the, you know, the legendary Dallas quarterback is in a game. Bears would win this game first year of natural turf, but there's a point in the game where Pulor scrambles and runs, right? This is what you were talking about. It might Singletary. Um, it- it's one of the first plays of the game. Okay. He it's runs for six yards, game. slides, and Mike Singletary nearly kills him. Right. I mean, you just mentioned the Wilbur Marshall on Joe Ferguson. It's almost in that context, and he was defenseless. Singletary probably, even with his reputation, would have gotten tossed maybe. The uh, reason I know it was early is that Steve Pelour didn't throw a pass in the game. But he didn't stop playing? No, he was done. Oh, he didn't die. I got you right. Oh, Danny White came Danny White, out. 24 of 35 for 242 yards. Pelour so basically he, played one play, got his brain scrambled, and was done for the day. Well, that's it. That's the story then. I didn't remember it quite like that. That even makes it better. You know, the leading rusher sucks. for the Cowboys that day, Herschel Walker. Also, wow. kind of also having your brain scrambled, but that's different. Future senatorial candidate. Herschel Walker, who, uh, yeah, it would be one of his final, well, his, his last season, I believe it was after that year, which the trade was made. So This was quite a quarterback duel between Danny White and Jim McMahon. Uh, I say, yeah, Danny, 24-35, 242 yards. Jim McMahon, 22 of 39 for 284 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Um, McMahon's last season as a bear. Through touchdown passes to Dennis McKinnon and Ron Morris. Second-year player. Bears scored 17 points in a nine-minute stretch in the second quarter and didn't score the rest of the game. Didn't need to because the defense was still going pretty much great. Cowboys scored on a 13-yard pass to Everett Gay with uh, about five minutes to go, make it 17. Happy to hear that Dennis McKinnon was still scoring touchdowns. like kind of a dull day on the lakefront other than the assassination of Steve Pleur. As late as 1988, Dennis McKinnon still scoring. Um, but the next time that, they would play, it was for all the marbles, well, some of the marbles. Not all the marbles, just some of the marbles. The coach's last playoff game. Bears, once again, losing, losing, uh, ending their season by losing How a about them game Cowboys? Yeah, at this point, Landry's gone. It's the upstart Cowboys. Herschel Walker's been traded. They've bolstered the team. They got Michael Irvin. They've got, you know, Emmett Smith. It's the new cut. This is actually the greatest era of Cowboy football, in spite of all their mystique and glory with Tom Landry and his fucking hat. Of course, it's uh, the greatest era. He, Steve Berline was their quarterback. He was. I mean, in a playoff it game. Get any in the playoff game. Your, no your eras don't get right. any better than Steve Berline, yes. former Notre Dame superstar. Steve fucking Berline wins an NFL playoff game. Against the Bears and Soldier Field. I got to remember that. I mean, I knew it. I didn't quite well, played like, incredibly re- well. re- recall how absurd it was. Well, you know, the thing about this, I remember this Completed just from memory, nine passes. <laughs> is that he was in, he was in. So here, here's a quick, uh, let's just, let's just cover it. We're cutting, we take a historical approach. Jerry Jones buys the Cowboys at the end of the 88 season in which Mike Singletary almost decapitated Steve Pelour and very swiftly and unceremoniously fires the legendary Tom Landry, immediately not caring about how much of a villain it makes him look, and then plucks the smarmy and pretty sharp, but still like, you know, just that good old boy, Jimmy Johnson from the University of Miami, won one national championship. Um, 
making an unusual leap to the NFL. And again, bolstered by premier picks that would yield Emmett Smith and Troy Aikman in the Herschel Walker trade. And by brilliant assistant coaches like Dave Wanstead. Yes, and Norv Turner. Yeah. Well, probably it, Norv actually Norv actually probably is <laughs> probably was a brilliant on some level. Yeah. Uh, assistant yeah. coach. I don't think Wani was a brilliant anything. But so like most of America was like, who is this evil fuck Jerry Jones with his arrogant Jimmy Johnson? And within just a couple years, former Arkansas I think, teammates, teammates, and, and also maybe. Jimmy Johnson was a classmate of Janis Joplin apparently yeah. in Arkansas. There's a fun fact for you. Might have been in a Paul Zimmerman Sports Illustrated article around the time. There is a, I think they're on they're well, they're on the same page of the yearbook. Yeah, like there's yeah. a picture of it because apparently they had the Joplin. same class. Right. There, there is it's a just, you They're both. You couldn't find a more a more uh, contrasting view, but uh, I want to say that Landry's Cowboys in '88 maybe went one and fifteen. I mean, they suffered an ignominy which they had never. You know, Landry never experienced. He was their only coach for 29 seasons, and then so it, it probably had to be done. But the, the just the you know the coldness with which Jones did it sort of got people's attention. But it was quickly forgotten because two years after, you can you can verify. I think I think they were one in fifteen in Landry's last season. Um, they weren't much better in '89. Was right? Was or maybe it was after '89? I should probably look that up rather than just talking out of my. I head. think it's after '89, right? Because '88, Jimmy was '88. Jimmy J- lost to Lou Holtz, and then in '89 they won. Or was that Dennis Erickson by then? No, that was Dennis Erickson. Right, so so Jimmy would have been in '89. Yeah. Yeah, because the 89 Cowboys, the 1 of 15 89 Cowboys were Jimmy's. Oh, that's what it was. Perfect. And they All did right, what, so they did the thing that the they basically did what the Bears are doing, which is they just got right. rid of everybody. Well, but here's but the thing. The Flues is so much of a better coach than Jimmy right. Johnson that he's, 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 year, he's yeah. coaxing wins out of his team. Well, what happened in 1990 is that the Cowboys, in 1990, the Cowboys were unexpectedly in contention late in the season. And Aikman was hurt, a young quarterback, only in the second or third season. And they had to rely on Babe Laufenberg, I want to say, uh, in week 16. I want, to, I want to say that if the Cowboys had – the 1990 Cowboys had they won uh, their last game, they would have snuck into the playoffs. And, like, Jimmy Johnson was so fucking pissed at the incompetence of Babe Laufenberg uh, that he, I guess, convinced himself to settle for Steve Berline. So, yeah, the next year, Aikman gets hurt again, and Berline gets him in the playoffs – but Aikman was like, they were ready to go to Aikman, but because the Bears didn't offer much of a defense in the playoff game at Soldier Field, Berlin took them all the way through. And then the next week, very historic moment, Lions fans. The only victory for the Detroit Lions in, their, in the last 70 years occurred when Dallas starting quarterback Steve Berline took the field, but then Eric Kramer, future Bear quarterback, would complete his first 11 passes. Basically blitzed the Cowboys. Berline couldn't do anything about it. And Johnson desperately brought, I'm pretty sure he brought Aikman into the into that playoff game to, you know, to take their fat out of the fire, but they couldn't. And the Cowboys would, or I'm sorry, the Lions would go to their only conference title game in the modern era. But Dallas was really set up. They were definitely ascending. And then three out of the next five three out of the next four seasons, they would win uh, Super Bowls. So that's their golden era right there. Yeah, Berline involved the Bears a little bit. Berline was 7 of 13 in the game against the Lions for 91 yards, and Troy was 11 for 16 for 114. So clearly yeah. he came in and started slinging. And uh didn't matter. The Cowboys didn't score a touchdown in the game. No. 
and that's the only Lions playoff game. So that's historical. Wow. Yeah, you there. can't beat Wayne Fonts. So. Yeah, it was a passing of the guard for the Bears, of course, because, you know, Ditka would be gone a year later and then we would wander the desert, but we didn't know it at the time. And then um, and then the Cowboys, I'm going to have to have to point this out because I know they, I'm looking at it now, 92, I can see it. Ah. Bears lose to the eventual – no, still Ditka. Dallas's defensive coordinator, oh, Steve. Oh, yeah, and I guess it is. They, they, lo- they lose to the it, Cowboys right? two days after Christmas – and all I can tell you about this game is that this would be the only Chicago Bears start for Will Fuhrer. Yes, and Will was the the Fuhrer was uh, they weren't exactly hailing him. Nine of twenty three for eighty nine yards and three interceptions. I'm only Little, pissed because he played like the number on his shirt. Number two, he was two or four. Number two, he was two. He was two, right? PT was four. Will Fuhrer was two. I thought Willis was ten, but you know oh, we could do yeah, this I think all you're day. Right, he was ten. Uh, so I will Fuhrer, say too that I want to stick with Will Fuhrer being two. I looked at my phone earlier because I knew he Will Fuhrer's name, right. name. I knew it would come up. Uh, less than a year ago, I was at Tavern in my neighborhood, uh, first place sports. And uh, honestly, I took a picture and I must have deleted it. It is a just a black and white like football, like a portrait of uh, of a lot of people. It's a sports bar uh, over there in Alcantara, Huntington, but. There is an actual black and white photo frame photograph of Will Fuhrer in first place sports. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be a mile from my house? Next time I'm there, I'll take a picture in case you don't believe me. I'm surprised the oh, Bears wow. didn't mount uh, a more competitive uh, effort in this game, considering uh, here were their leading rushers Neil Anderson, three Can carries I... for 17 yards. Mark Green, three carries for 11 yards. Brad Muster, two for five. Darren Lewis, seven for negative five. That's it. Nobody ran the ball more than three, seven to, well, Darren Lewis got seven carries and he lost five yards. Well, that, you know, that would have been Mike Ditka's last game as a coach, right? Yeah, this is it. Play. Five and 11. So they're checked out and the Cowboys are going on the, the way to the Super Bowl. So pretty, pretty dark times there. So then we got to wait till 96. Opening day. I was at this one. Oh, we thought we, we thought we thought we we thought we we thought the pieces were in place. Yep, they were the Cowboys. I already said the Cowboys. So the so the last time the Bears played the Cowboys, they are on their way to winning three out of four Super Bowls, which is you know historic. And the next time they face, the very next time they face is right after they've won that third Super Bowl. But the Bears with the. Uh, Four year, fourth year coach Dave Watson, the, the former Cowboy defensive coordinator, already with a road playoff win under his belt, and a frustrating near miss of the playoffs the year before. It's okay, it's speed bump. We signed Brian Cox. The pieces are in place, well, and then this? here come those. So the Super Bears, Bowl. Bears win this game, twenty-two to six. All twenty-two points were scored by these three players: Raymond, Ultra Back Harris. Yep. Brian Cox covered a fumble in the end zone. He did. And Carlos Huerta. Oh, yeah. It's right. the other and, thing. And do you know who threw the touchdown pass to Raymond? It was not uh, Eric Kramer? It was Curtis Conway. Oh, One thing, I did not Curtis remember could that. really throw. Like to the point where at some point they he probably, there were years he was the best passer on the team. Kind of like Walter was. Well, he was still a bear with Rick Meyer, so I would say so. 
Uh, yeah, I did not remember that. I just uh... three bears through passes. Um, only one of them was a quarterback. I will give you a million dollars if you can tell me who the third bear passer was. Eric Kramer, Curtis Conway, and it was Jim Flanagan. It was one pass for forty-seven yards. Oh, Todd Sauerbrunn. Todd Sauerbrunn. You don't get the million. Was it really? It was Todd Sauerbrunn. A fake punt, 47-yard pass. I probably could figure out who it was to. Um, wow. I'm going to guess it's the only. Yeah, a special team that had one reception for 47 yards, right? Oh, actually, I can't tell. It's either. It was either Michael Timpson or it was Raymond. Number 86. Let's see. Michael Timpson replaced Jeff Graham and then Good old number was inferior. Yeah, and then he was he himself was replaced by Bobby Ingram. Good times. Oh, why do I not remember this guy? The Bears punt returner, the kickoff returner that, that game was Jack Jackson. Don't remember who the hell is Jack either. Jackson. That just I sounds made. That's like a made up. That's a that's a made. He played in twelve games for the '96 Bears. Caught all four, we can tell four you passes. All we can tell you is that in the context of Bears history, that night was probably the peak oh, of the Florida. I think era. I do remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, now it rings a bell. Well, so this, that was the, you're saying this is the the greatest moment in. It's no, the not not the greatest. Year. The greatest is it's the high point of the Wanstead era. Yeah, well, definitely of the year. No, wouldn't the high point of the Wanstead era be the road playoff win in Minnesota? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've we've detailed that the Bears don't do that. No, so, I know. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that's what got him his uh, his current job, did, sleeping on like, the couch of the football after I know. show. But like that game. was a team that sort of like surprisingly, unexpectedly made it the playoff. They overachieved, but they were supposed to build a foundation that this by his fourth year was okay. Well, '94 was an aberration because we made it. '95 was an aberration because we barely missed. But now, again, pieces are in place, and on paper they probably had a good team, but they had an absolute doofus coaching him. So, uh, all turn to dust, and then we enter some real dark eras. We play the Cowboys again the next year, get skunked. I think Switzer is probably still coaching uh, the Cowboys. Not for long. Cowboys themselves now would enter their own, you know, they haven't even been to a 20, Super Bowl. 27-3 to three, the 96 game. I do remember the 98 game, only because I think the Bears just scored a shitload of field goals and, be, and, the, and the Dallas coach was Chan Galen. That's all I can tell you. Uh, the Bears, a mediocre Bears team beats a mediocre Cowboys team in Soldier Field in 98. 94 is the Thanksgiving game. Um, unless you want to go back to that 98 game. I mean, we could I mean, probably have a, curt- a courtesy. And it's, well, 04. 04 what, which one was 04 the Thanksgiving? Was Thanksgiving. Yeah, 04. Uh, 04. 04. That was, the again, the only other time the Bears have faced the Cowboys in Thanksgiving. The only... NFL victory for the Cowboys quarterback Drew Henson, who only who did he did he even finish the game because Vinny Testaverde threw fourteen passes. Yep, I think we broke that game down before. Jonathan Quinn and Drew Henson. Now that's a Thanksgiving match. Oh my God! Throw up your turkey. Oh um, seven was early in the year. I just remember is when people really started to like bail on Grossman. It was a Sunday night game. And then uh, 2010 was a pleasant surprise because that was a Bears team we didn't know would end up going within a game of the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, early in the season, the Bears went into a good Dallas team and, um, and punched them in the face. Would end up going to the playoffs. Chris Gronkowski scored a touchdown for the Cowboys in the... Uh, Which one? In the 2010 game. 
Wow. Yeah, Jay in that game, 21 of 29, 277 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. When Jay was good, Jay was really good. How about Romo? And trying to trying to uh, bring the Cowboys back, Tony Romo, thirty four of fifty one for three hundred seventy four yards, but he threw two picks. Wow. Yeah, I, I guess you bring up Romo. The other, the other funny thing is that the year that the Bears went back to the Super Bowl, they almost faced a Bill Parcells coached team, um, and that was Romo's first playoff team that they. Failed to advance in the playoffs. They lost the Saints. Didn't Romo bobble a snap on a kick? And if so, is he the last ever quarterback to try to handle a snap on a, on a field so goal? That um, if the Cowboys got into game-winning field goal, I mean, there was a chip shot. There, there was good, they were going to make it. They were going to beat the Seahawks. They were was it the Seahawks they, or Saints? Seahawks. Seahawks. Okay. And they were coming to Chicago. That's who the Bears were going to play. They were going to play the Cowboys. That's what I remember. The Bears were going to play the Cowboys. And it was no sure bet. The Bear, Bear fans wanted the Seahawks. The Seahawks were bad. Um, and Tony just dropped the snap. I mean, it hit him right in the hands, and he dropped it. And he almost ran for a touchdown. He almost did yes. the – he he almost uh, – uh, Chester Markle? Did the Chester Markle. Scooped it up, but he kind of stumbled, and then he didn't make it. He got tackled short of the goal line. And that got – that allowed the Seahawks to come to town, uh, one of the – one of only right. two play uh, teams that uh, Lovey could beat in the playoffs. Correct, correct. But it would have been it would have been Bill Parcells, Tony Romo, and the Cowboys had Tony held on to that snap. Okay, and the Bears good. Most likely we... would have lost, and, they, and some of, we wouldn't have. Uh, but we wouldn't have fond memories of uh, uh, Jay yeah. standing there with a twitchy leg that he couldn't walk on, and then just stay, sulking on the sidelines instead of doing the. No, no. You got to do the oh six. No, we're talking oh six. We're talking. We wouldn't have seen like Daniel Manning getting burned in the backfield and and Rex no. just throwing it. That was, that was this is ten. When Romo f- bobbled the snap, no, it wasn't. It was six. I'm telling you, no, we we cheered no Cowboys in oh six. Right, ten. So we knew they weren't that good. No, but you're but so oh six. No, the no, Bears no. beat oh six. The Bears beat the Seahawks in overtime. The year they went to the Super Bowl, so uh, they they still could have lost the Cowboys. No, you, you, I'm telling you that it was 06 when Romo bobbled the snap. But you're right that that they would have faced the Bears, not oh. the Seahawks. Oh, they would have beat them. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Probably, although they struggled to beat the Seahawks. Remember, it took Roachman to rally them. In the fourth oh, I quarter, thought that, I always thought that was ten, and that that's what that's what ended up. The Bears got the gift win over the Seahawks in the playoffs, and that's what ended up in the, with the championship. No, they game. got they got the gift win just because that division fucking sucked, and both teams had to play each other, and they're under five hundred. Marshawn Lynch went off at the end of the, the game. Um, mm. but anyway, that's what happened to poor Tony. He dropped the. Yeah, in 06, so I, I just I just wanted to circle back more to just point out that the Bears almost faced Bill Parcells in the playoffs, although Lovey Smith would have been their coach. But the 2010 win kind of like set the Bears up for a few a rare good season, and uh, like I said, they came within a whisper of the Super Bowl. Uh, aside from that, what was the game? 2013 is that in December? Was that a Mark Tressman victory, which? Uh, would be most remembered for the time that George McCaskey was just like hilariously screaming and losing his voice because he was so such a fanboy and introducing Mike Ditka when the Bears were again allowed to retire a number 
and you got to hand it to Ditka. Well, I mean, it, I think, it was cold as fuck. I mean, too. I think what they re- we remember about that game was um, Josh McCown. Was yes, ridiculous. That was not a Jay Cutler game. Was Twenty-seven McCown of thirty-six, three hundred and forty-eight yards, four yeah. touchdowns. Is this the game? Yes, he ran for a touchdown in the second quarter and dunked the ball over the crossbar. Nice. I mean, he did it all that day. Well, and th- that was actually proof that Mark Trustman kind of knew what he was doing on offense. Uh, you know, not as a head coach or a motivator or anything else. Because you take Jay out, you plug in McCown, and they were beating the shit out of the Cowboys. But, but yeah, that was the, the halftime when Ditka just went, basically yeah. just went out there and said, Go Bears! And his number is retired. And then uh, the only one I remember How was, did that, uh, was I always thought it was unfair, though. I mean, yeah, you bring Ditka out and you do it, but you don't bring Keith Ortego out to have it co-retired. Uh, Ryan I mean, Wetnight. I mean, they, they won the same number of NFL championships as a player for the Bears. Uh, wear an 89. True. Yes, they, were they the, did. They're the last two guys to wear 89 to win no, Ryan, championships. Oh, right, to win championships. To win, True. win world championships. Just like the, yeah. I mean, if the if the, um, if the the Cubs can let a slappy like Greg Maddox ride up the flagpole with Fergie, I mean, I certainly, I think you could do it with, you could you could let Ditka ride up the thing with uh, the, the far superior Keith Ortigo. That's true. That's true. You know, it looks like the, the, the Bears generally had Tony Romo's number, by the way, because outside of losing them in 07, they beat him three times in a row, 10, 12, 13. They, right? Romo was still a quarterback in 13. Yeah, and he was bad. In the 11 of 20, 104 yards, got benched for Kyle Orton. Wow. The Nick Beard got to come in, face his former team. That was the cold-ass game in 2013. Okay. Yeah. Can't remember the 2014 game. No, I can kind of see December, why. Whew, that was, that was tra- to 28. And that was Trustman's second season, and they'd already quit. Yeah, and that, we was, already talked about the back-to-back 50 games. They were just happy they losses. kept them under 50. Yeah. Yes. Good and then uh, and then that 2016 game, uh, I cannot profess to know that because I intentionally blacked out the John Fox era. But I will tell you, I do remember in the last game, the last time the Bears and Cowboys, the last time they faced, uh, I got in trouble because we were at my daughter's uh, junior high orchestra concert, and it was on a you should have watched. Night. You should have watched 2016 was, game, though. How many chances was, are you going to get to see Brian Hoyer throw 49 passes? Oh, my God. 30 of 49 for 317 yards and two touchdowns. Woo! That's like Chinese water for Still lost by two touchdowns. So, but yeah, the Bears won that. That, that was the 2019 was that weird Bears team that like convinced that they were still mathematically alive in December. The Cowboys obviously were not worth shit. They were both like equally inept, and the Bears were just less shitty than them in 20, the last time they faced Mitch each other. threw three touchdown passes in that game. Two of them to two of them to Allen Robinson and one to Anthony Miller. So it was the year after the playoff season, but the Bears had already stepped on their dick a bunch of times. But we had still sort of deluded ourselves. Yeah, the wind got, him, wind got them to seven and six, so they were clinging okay. to the fringes of the. Um, yeah, I feel like race. it came down to just like letting Rogers uh, stop them in Lambeau. I feel like that was later. a night game. It was, it was Thursday night. Yeah, as I said, it's at my daughter's orchestra. Concert. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't and, know uh, my daughter at Sunday got, night orchestra. Well, it could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, who the hell? I would be very upset at any school that might. Put All right. So the, the Cowboys in their history. Mike McCarthy is their ninth coach in Cowboy history. 
Do they have a coach in their history with a losing record as a Cowboy coach? If they do, it's either Chan Gailey or Dave Campo. It is Dave Campo, the only one. Ding, ding, ding. Only he one. Fifteen, not even close. He was fifteen and thirty-three in three years. How did he get three wow. years? He basically he he basically got himself fired by being on Hard Knocks that last year. Is that what it took? And everybody you watched that. it, and they're like, "What the holy shit? What right. is this?" And uh, weird, uh, unusual blind spot for Jerry. Like, what was his agenda to not fucking ship him out earlier? He, Campbell was one of the. He was like, he was like the special teams coach, I think, on the Super Bowl teams under both Jimmy. Right, and, but like, and he was thinking he's just carrying the, you know, and I, the, Jerry had this weird way. So Chan had coached two years before that, and he, Jerry, right. could pronounce Gailey with this weird accent. It, it just always came out weird, like Chan Gailey. Like who's who? Nice Chan Gailey. You mean Chan? You're saying Chan Gailey? Yeah, whatever. All right. Interesting thing about Chan Gailey: only uh, coach in Cowboys history to have never missed the playoffs. He made the playoffs both of his yes, years. He did. I yes. assume I assume the '98 Cowboys were ass post Switzer, post their all the Super Bowls. That shitty Bears team that lost like their first five games the year after they lost their first seven. That was not an expected victory when they uh, outslept. Fighted the Cowboys. The Cowboys went ten and six that year and made the playoffs. So hilarious that they lost to a, a Bears, the, the ninety-eight Bears. Okay, you're probably looking at it. Bears. Who has the highest winning percentage in Cowboys history as a head coach? I bet just going to be Barry Switzer. It is six twenty-five. Because, because as you said, Jimmy had the one in fifteen season that's going to weigh him down. Wade Phillips, six oh seven. I forgot Wade thirty-four and twenty-two was... in four years, three playoff trips. Oh wow. Probably Wade Phillips' greatest success as a head coach. He was a sort of a Jason Garrett, a guy, awful coach, yep. terribly dull football analyst. Yeah, um, made the playoffs five. No, he coached in five playoff games, and they were two. And Never three. won. No, well, they went two and three. Wait a minute, what With is Jason Garrett? Games? No, coach. you're wrong. He's only three. Jason Never Garrett. won. What's this? Unless you want to, unless you want a wild card game. I see Garrett only took him to the playoffs three times in one, two, three, well, four, five. Tell me, five, Wikipedia is wrong. It's Jesus James Christ! Coached five, wins two, losses three. Oh well, yeah, she must have won some wild card games. Sorry, I, when I look at football reference, I only see what their last game was: lost oh. division, lost division, lost division. So he won two of those. All right, fine. Well, Garrett how, was there. That means they only made the playoffs three times in ten years. How did he keep his yes. job? That, I, I'm looking at it. Jerry now. really doesn't like he, to fire coaches, does he? He. So, so it was Phillips that was on the sideline when the eventual NFC, uh, what North winning Bears and Jay Cutler beat them. Because Phillips got fired at some point during that season, Garrett took over and then was Crap. the coach for six, seven, the next nine full seasons. Yeah. And he made the playoffs three times, never in consecutive years. Wow, so uh, that's actually he's the longest. Serving coach under Jer- under Jerry Jones, not even Jimmy Johnson was only fucking well, one, Jimmy, two, three, four, I mean, five years. Jerry fired Switzer him. Switzer was four. Jerry fired him, but Jimmy basically he walked uh, and he came Jimmy back. He, he had his own sweet deal. He came back with Miami. Parcells four years, and that wow, Garrett almost by that's incredible. And then there's Mike. Oh, we just went through that the, the very McCarthy. underwhelming Jason Garrett era, right? And that's where we're at. 1815, 
for the great Mike McCarthy. He's been to the playoffs once when famously they ran the ball and slid in the middle of the field and yeah, couldn't kill the clock and right. kick a field goal. And he looked very confused, like normal. But he'll probably be back. To, uh, he'll probably be back. So. They've got a pretty good team. They might. They could very well be the second best team in the NFC behind the Eagles right now. Well, like I said at the beginning, if you're uh, 22 years old, believe it or not, you by a certain metric that would dictate if you've just been in a Super Bowl, you have an edge over anyone that has it, regardless of your other year in and year out performance. By that metric, the Bears are less laughable in the last for a 22 year old kid than the Cowboys. But hey, maybe they'll enter another golden era with uh, with the big boy, Mr. Big Boy Mike. So, who's the all time leading Cowboy passer in yardage? Uh, Aikman, right? Tony Romo. No, it's Romo. Is thirty four thousand yeah. yards? Yeah, Tony's back failed on him, but Troy's brain. Went out before that. Plus, well, and the th- didn't and throw the as much remember, with Troy, right? Remember about Ake because we were all like prime. We were in our prime as fantasy football players. I know nobody wants to hear about your fantasy team, but fact is, Troy Aikman was famously underrated in fantasy football drafts in the late nineties because the Cowboys didn't fucking you know they had a real football team. Yeah. And then Steve Young will get you numbers. I don't know who else from that era would. Aikman was a great quarterback, MVP, Hall of Famer but did not actually produce huge individual numbers. Well, and we know who their all-time leading rusher is because he's the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm only going to say it doesn't matter because sweetness is undisputed otherwise. I always hated Tony Dorsett because he came along after Peyton, seemed to be a little bit more of a pretty boy. And just the fact that he was on that like, Cadillac, high-flying, successful Silver, well-branded football team that wiped the Bears' nose in front of Peyton and Thursday. I never probably got over that, but it, as far as Emmett goes, I feel like Barry Sanders should hold that crown. Yeah, Barry basically brings, let well, Emmett have it. It just brings you back to the fact that it, it just—if you play for the Lions, you will give up. You will even give up great personal glory uh, if it means the if it, at the expense of having to play another day for the Lions because they have a history of people just yeah, we retiring went, in their prime. Like we Calvin went through that. Johnson. We ran off the list of yes, youngest, youngest Hall it, of Famers, and there's two very correct. prominent Lions in it. And, there's two very and, prominent Bears in it, but that's because their careers were cut short they with played, The Lions right. just said, fuck it. <laughs> and they even one of their few successful head coaches, Bobby Ross, kind of did the same thing. Yeah, so, people yeah. just like to quit there. And their all-time leading receiver. Do you know who that is? Uh, Michael Irvin, nope. Drew Pearson, no, uh, no, because Staubach didn't. I looked up Staubach. He would have. He would not even be the Bears all the time. Uh, both Cutler and Luckman barely edge out Roger Staubach. Uh, but no, um, receiver. Not you said. Not Irvin. Not nope. Pearson. Tony Hill. Um, Christ, I don't know. You're not gonna guess it. Jason Witten. 12,977 oh, yards. 12,000 yards for Jason Witten? Did he come out of ret- retirement to do that? Well, he re- yeah, retired, came back, and then he extended. I wonder. His... Okay. I mean, that's a lot of yards. I mean, you know, granted, <laughs> Johnny Morris only has 5,000. He averaged over 10 yards a catch because it's 1,200 um, 1, catches for almost 13,000 yards. 72 touchdowns. Yeah. 
This is the franchise that also had Jay Novacek. Wasn't yes. he a pretty good tight end? Yes, he was. So he was Whitten, on the Super Bowl. Witten is obviously a Hall of Famer. He will be, Those or he are is pretty now. Huge numbers. He's not yet. He's, he just, he just, just finally retired recently. two years ago. He played a year for the Raiders. All right. Came back, played one more year for the Cowboys after his terrible Monday Night Football experience, and then played one year for the. That's Raiders right. And then finally That's retired. what it is. That's what it is. So he's not okay. eligible so for three more years. He's he's reset the clock on his Hall of Fame, but he's certainly racked up the counting stats. And if he if you're the old fucking Cowboys all time leading receiver, that's certainly going to count for something. He didn't add much to him in his year he came back. He <laughs> no, no. Well, he did, was he had a pretty good year. 63 catches for 529 yards. That's more than any bear to get this year. Or ever, maybe. Ever. For a tight end, I, I'm sure we've had a few that have eclipsed that, but certainly not at the, you know, at the age of 38. Um, Landry's got to be the all-time winningest coach. Right, so so Jason oh, yeah. Garrett is their second longest tenured coach after Tom Landry. Then is that where he fits in? I guess it has to be right. It's not, it's not hard to figure out. We already ran through it. You already yeah, said the only two only coaches, who've coached, coaches who've coached ten or more years. Landry coached twenty eight, and Garrett well, coached ten. Garrett technically is like nine and a half. Again, he did nine full seasons, but he replaced Wade Phillips in, his, in the twenty ten. The other coaches in in history. Jimmy Johnson, five years. Barry Switzer, four. Chan Gailey, two. Dave Campo, three. Yeah. Bill Purcells, as Jerry always called him, four. Wade Phillips, four, three and a half. And Mike McCarthy is on year three. Wow. So for the for the franchise that had the epitome of stability, yep. I almost wonder if that's why he kept hanging on to Garrett. It's like, okay, we were changing coaches too much. We're, we're just going to ride <laughs> this ginger dumbass as far as we can. And then he's finally like, all right, fuck it. We gotta, he's got to go. God, he sacrificed a whole decade there. Yeah, he won 85 games in 10 and a half years. You know, so, so you're right. Like, good enough, like, he never would bottom out enough to, like, get fired. You're right. But also, they're, you know, you watch the games, you're like, this guy's a dope. <laughs> right. Yeah, you think if a younger Jones, who may not have hired, you know, it's easy for Jones to, a younger Brasher Jones to come in and fucking hire an iconic legend. And then he's older and there's a guy he's hired and suddenly maybe he's more insecure. And then he watches this guy finish third, 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 second, first. Woo. He came in first in 2014 and they don't go to the championship game Fourth, first, second, first. So Garrett had all three of his playoff appearances were his uh, three first place finishes. And they were all every other Steve tracks alike every other year. Yeah. And then the McCarthy hire, you know, completely uninspiring. But he's, you know, he's not a bad football coach. Yeah. So. Wow, whatever. The whole deal, Jerry, he's got that stadium, and he's got it so that the punters aren't kicking the scoreboard anymore. And uh, maybe one of these days he'll win another Super Bowl. Maybe. Fuck Dallas. That's all I got. I mean, I don't really remember much about the Bill Purcells era. I don't either. They got, I for, they got pretty good, right, by the end, I think. I, for, I forgot that he had coached them, and I'm like, oh, my God, because we talked about Purcells last week. He he got surpassed by Belichick, and he himself sort of seemed to further degrade himself. He wins two Super Bowls with the Giants, and then he struggles to bring another team back there where he loses, and then he comes out a third time and can't even, with all the resources, bring – Jerry Jones's team uh, to a title game. He just, you know, kind of 
chipped away at his legacy every time he kept coming back. I forgot about the Jets teams. Sorry. Parcells had four stops. That was in between New England and Dallas. He did actually do some decent work for the Jets, but he wasn't there very long. But he really he really was, I would think, kind of a disappointment with all that hype. Well, Bill with the you know, Cowboys, 10-6, then 6-10, and six, then 9-7, and 9-7. Then and, seven and, nine and seven. Yeah, and I bet you if you Google for stories, it was a huge media event that Oh yeah, you know there was because Parcells was a legend. The guys, you know, he won two, two two different teams in the Super Bowl. He won two. Jones was only you know eight years removed from his third Super Bowl, and uh, yeah, that, that, that went pretty flat. It only lasted four years. Those two egos aren't going to last that long if they're not winning. So, all right, well that's all I got then, on the Cowboys. Yeah, see, we I got nothing else. We even covered. Uh, we even cover, covered the Glenn Carano game, which deserves its own. Someday it gets its own. Yeah. Remember this crap. We have Glenn on. We will have Gina on. It'll be great. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mike. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over. <laughs>